My message today is I am willing. I think I actually re- wrote it wrong in the, in the title and said he is willing, but it's I am willing. And so we'll pick up in verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. And it says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus kicked him in the head and said, get out of here. I don't know what it says. Jesus, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean, exclamation mark. So it means he was shouting or at least excited. Verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. And Jesus sent him, uh, when, uh, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Verse 44, See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, little rebellious thing, instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came and found him, or excuse me, came from everywhere. Today we're talking about Jesus' response to our leprosy. And that response is real simple. As we jump into this, I want to kind of start with leprosy. Leprosy was the Ebola of biblical times. Leprosy was this disease that once contracted, you are no longer even allowed to be a part of society. When a person was deemed having caught the disease or having the disease of leprosy, they immediately had to leave everything that they were involved in, their home life, their city life, their businesses, their jobs, whatever. And they had to remove themselves and go live out, out amongst, uh, in the wilderness, if you will, outside of town where no one could get close to them because it was such a scary disease. It was contagious, although people said it wasn't. It absolutely was and still is today. It was contag- and it was contagious by way of touch, by way of, uh, uh, of breath even. And so people would get the disease, and the moment they got it, they were forever on a list, excuse me, on a path towards death. There was no cure in biblical times, although we found a cure in the 1800s. We, there, is no long, there was not a cure in biblical times. In fact, the Bible only speaks of lep- leprosy in, in the Old Testament as only having what to do if someone thought they were cured and how the priest was supposed to handle it there in Leviticus. But only in three times in the Old Testament did anyone get cured of leprosy. Moses, Miriam, and Naaman. And each of those were a supernatural God cure where he did a miracle and delivered them from leprosy. But every other person, never anywhere else in Scripture in the Old Testament, did anyone else get cured of leprosy. It was a death sentence. And so to see a little bit about what the stages of this disease looks like, it started first, put a picture up, it would start first on the extremities, typically the eyelids, the nose, the mouth area, and the hands. It's just a, it'd start with just little white spots as the skin was beginning to deteriorate. Literally, um, almost like acid drops had touched the skin and began to rot the skin. It would start white as it went down into the skin. No matter what your skin color was, it would have these white uh, uh, rough spots on your skin. And then it would continue from there, and, and the disease would begin, go to the next, and begin to spread all over. 
and you can see how it would begin to flake. How it flakes up and how, uh, I'm not a doctor, but these are just as I understood what I studied. And, and it began to make these pus pockets and things all over your body. And what was happening is the disease is working its way down through the muscles. And it would begin, show them the next picture, as it began to rot down through your muscles. And literally the poison as it's ripping down through your flesh is bringing that out to the surface of the skin. And it would continue to eat down through your flesh until it got into the bones. And then the bones literally would begin to dissipate. They would literally, the bones would begin to rot, if you will, and begin to fall off. And you begin to lose limbs and pieces of your body. And so in biblical times, it was the Ebola of our time. It was the most horrendous, horrific isolation would have to immediately be put into play. And if by some chance there was a person who got healed or something crazy happened to where they didn't have it anymore, they then would have to go present themselves to the priest and they would have to go through this long checklist and we find that there in Leviticus. But nowhere in Scripture outside of the, excuse me, the Old Testament, nowhere outside of that did we find anyone ever being cured with the exception of Moses, Miriam, and Naaman. And so we see that Israel, as we see in the Bible, for thousands of years lived with anyone who contracted this is now and forever isolated, thrown out of town, and everything about their life shifts because they go from being a part of society to now being cursed with a long slow process of death. One of the other key pieces to leprosy is that it kills the senses of the skin. And you can't feel it. And so many times someone with leprosy would be cutting something and cut right down through a finger and cut it off and not know it because they couldn't feel it. That's why when the sin is is diseased with it, you'll see it even today, there's a 95% cure rate in the world today, and the 5% that there's still leprosy is in isolated, uh, impoverished areas of the world. And you'll see, as you go study it, you'll see that maybe on the bottom of their feet where they contracted this on their skin, and then they walk on it not even feeling the pain of it as it begins to eat through their bottoms of their feet, and and literally their feet, uh, the the, the flesh cracks open as the bones literally are falling out of the of the flesh of their feet. Isn't that crazy? And this is the person who approached Jesus. Now, customary, what is supposed to happen by way of law is that the person with leprosy now is not only extracted out of the community, but they also have to wear their clothes a certain way in case anyone walks up on them. They have to have their clothes rent. And so that literally that they are in mourning until their death. They have to cover their face with their shawl so that there's no chance of you breathing. And if anyone gets close to them, they have to yell out, unclean, unclean clean. Get away. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. It was forbidden for any preacher, if you will, or priest or rabbi of the time to come into contact because then they were unclean and were not allowed to enter into the temple of God because they become unclean because they've come in contact with, with a person who has leprosy as well as the people. They could not come in contact. So I want you to picture that Mr. Johnny Leper, he's a good man. He's got a wife and he's got two kids. He's seven years into marriage with two beautiful kids. And finally now his business is taking off. He's finally starting to get the camel industry happening for him. He's put, his camels are putting out a bunch of two-hump camels. It's amazing. He's finally making a living. His kids are growing up. It's a beautiful life. And as he's getting ready in the morning one day, brushing his teeth, looking in the mirror, he notices a little white spot. Fear grips him because he's known he had an uncle that was a leper. He knew what it did to the family. And so he kind of tries to think 
not think about it, he goes on to work. He gets home that evening and there's another little spot right there on his cheek. And it's getting a little darker and it's starting to protrude a little bit more. He goes and shows his wife and horror overtakes her. Oh my. No, it can't be. But we won't do anything or show anybody and let's just see what happens. He continues to work for the next couple of weeks and now they start showing up on his back and on his hands. And all of a sudden, as he's working one day, he's trying to wear long sleeves and cover it all and keep his shawl over his face a little bit, his little turban thing as he's working. And one, one moment as he reaches out to do something, the guy next to him goes, oh my goodness, what's that on your hands? Nothing, there's nothing there. I got to go. And after weeks of trying to hide it, it's only increased. And as he sits there sobbing in his living room, with his wife and his two girls, knowing that this is the last moment he'll ever hug them or kiss them. Fearful to even get close to them because if they contract it, it's a death sentence for them as well. And the fear, trepidation, the destruction, how are they going to survive without dad? How are they going to continue to be okay? How is he going to survive? They don't have any money to bring him food. He's got to isolate. How, how is this all going to work out? I don't know, but I must be obedient and go to the priest. And then the priest there in that moment looks at him and says, yes, you've contracted leprosy. You must leave. And he goes and he's walking outside of town, never to see his wife and kids again. And typically what the lepers would do is they would go to the dung pile, the, 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 the place where all the trash is thrown and the way those cities would work in those days in biblical times and to still to this day, they would take the trash throughout the day and they would throw it outside of the city and they would throw the dead animals and they would throw the leftover food that had spoiled and all the trash. They would throw it out there, not like us with all the plastic and all that, but all the literally the, the rotting flesh of things and they would throw it out there and the lepers for the most part would hang out around the trash dump because they had no other way to eat and so it doesn't matter who you were how popular you were how successful you were it was a death sentence to have leprosy you could not be around people lest they catch it and they become infected and so this leper if you will we'll call him johnny for the sake of calling him a name maybe he's been living out there for weeks can you imagine the loneliness and the isolation can you imagine his world turned upside down as that he'll never see his kids and his wife again? Can you imagine how he went through the depression of it all? How many times did he stand there in the middle of the night and say, Oh God, you've abandoned me. Why have you allowed this to happen to me? I was a good man. I went to church. I was faithful to my wife. Why has this happened to me? And he'd wake up the next day and it's getting worse. Losing a finger, maybe. Stench of the rotting flesh. The smell of it all. And here he is just trying to survive. And the more he eats from the trash of the dung pot, the more disease that comes inside of his body from eating putrid meat. One day, can't take it anymore. In the middle of the night, he slips through the city streets. He stands outside of his house and he watches his wife put his little girls to bed. As she gets down on her knees and she prays to Jehovah. Oh, Jehovah God. Oh, Jehovah God. How will you sustain us? And where is Johnny at this moment? 
Oh, Jehovah, please give our family a miracle. Tears streaming down his face. He runs back out of the city before he gets caught. How many times did he camp out around the riverside only to see two lovers coming in the night at the stars and watching them embrace as their lips touched each other in fresh new love? And, and he sat there probably wondering, God, why? I used to have a wife that I could kiss like that. Now look at me. And in this moment, the frustration, the pain, the humiliation because of his leprosy. Now, it was common concept in Jewish history, Jewish concept, excuse me, that if someone had contracted leprosy, that it was God's judgment on them because of their sin. In fact, the preachers of the day would use leprosy to explain, see, listen to me, young people, listen to me, young people. See, leprosy is the same thing that's happening in your heart. It's like spiritual leprosy that you have sinned against God, and if you don't do good and you keep doing bad, you're going to be like this person, an outcast, and ultimately die. And leprosy was their sermon illustration of the hour. They would point to them. And say, see, and what happens is once you contract it, God can't touch you again. We can't even be close to you because of your rebelliousness. And they would use it as the sermon illustration of the hour. And then comes this day in Mark chapter 1. Jesus has been preaching on the mountainside. Matthew records this moment prior to this interaction with the leper. As Jesus having been on the mountainside... And the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, and 8. And he preaches that sermon that blew everybody's mind. His opening ministry sermon. And I say, forgive those who do you wrong. I know that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, even love your enemies and bless those who do evil against you. And the people are like, who speaks like this with such authority? The book of Mark records that as he comes down off of that mountainside, having preached that, he then picks four of the 12 disciples, Peter, a couple of his companions. And he says, listen, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come follow me. Luke talks about how as he finished the Sermon on the Mount, that the crowds followed him. And it's this scene and this scenario that we pick up in verse 40. So Jesus, the four of the 12 disciples are there. The crowds are following him. And as he's walking through the pathway, out of the bushes comes the leper. It's illegal. It's inappropriate. It's not right. He's supposed to yell out, unclean. And everyone's supposed to run. But that's not what this guy does. See, for years, he's heard the stories that Moses got healed. Come on, somebody. He's heard the stories that Miriam got healed. That a guy that wasn't even Jewish, Naaman, got healed. The prophet told him to dip, and he did in the Jordan River. And he's wondered, oh God, is there any chance that you could do it for me? In Israeli prophecy, one of the key signs on who the Messiah was going to be is that he would do what no one else was able to do. And one of the key pieces with that, he would heal leprosy. And so this leper, as he's stood off, 
hundreds of yards away and listened to Jesus preach on the mountainside. As he's heard the people talk about this might be the Messiah. Begins to think, doesn't the Messiah heal leprosy? Isn't that the prophecy? That the, that the death curse could be broken by the Messiah? That what no other prophet's been able to do, no other rabbi's been able to do. That surely the Messiah is going to break this curse of leprosy? And what did I do to even deserve it? I, didn't, I don't know if I sinned. I don't know why this is on my life. But if he's the Messiah, I'm going to find out and I'm going to go get a hold to him. And out of the bushes comes this leper, Johnny the leper. And he steps out and the Bible says he falls to his knees and he cries out. He says, if you will heal me, will you? I know you can. The question is, will you? It's the same question many of you have been asking. I know you're God. And I know you do things for other people, but will you do it for me? Have I sinned so much that I now live in isolation and torment? Is the prevalent concept that I'm an example of God's anger because of the fact that I killed a baby in my womb 20 years ago? Is that why I'm going through what I'm going through right now? It must be why I'm in this problem. Or because I, I rebelled uh, when I was just a teenager and, and I did this. Is that, that must be why this is happening to me. And this is the concept that this guy has lived under. But he doesn't care about that anymore. He comes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Now, by tradition, no one's supposed to touch him. I would imagine all the people standing there, as soon as he jumps out and they see the leprosy, that everyone does this and backs up. But look what Jesus does. He goes over to him. The Bible says he had compassion. Can I say something to you? It doesn't matter that you've blown it, that you've been wicked and angry. He has compassion for the leper. He has compassion. His heart aches. He loves you. If I could get you a revelation of that, if you could just have the switch could turn. You know, remember when you were doing algebra and one day it just went, I get it. Yeah, it hadn't happened, right? I know, right? I can remember. You know, it was like freshman college. I went, oh, wow, I get it. It never did happen, sorry. (laughs) It never even made it there. But if you could just get the, oh, he loves you. It doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. He loves you. He has compassion. Everyone else steps back. Everyone else is freaked out. And Jesus does this one thing that no one else has ever done over the last seven years for this man. He touches him. Can you imagine the nights of loneliness where no one has touched him for seven years? Can you imagine the thought process of I don't get to hold my little girls anymore because I'm, I'm unclean, because, because I've got this disease rotting my flesh and the inability to be touched and feel the love and sense the care. And Jesus goes past all of tradition. He goes past all of expectations and he touches him and he says, not only do I love you, but I am willing to do whatever it takes for you, baby boy. This is the word I have for you today. God doesn't just love you. He's willing to cure you. He doesn't just love you. He's not just putting up with you because you're that kid. Yeah, that's my third one, you know. <laughs> it's their mama's kid, you know. 
He's not putting up with you. He has compassion for your pain. He has compassion for the fact that they called you fat and ugly and stupid. And that still rings out in your mind now 30 years later. He has compassion that you're confused about your sexuality because of what happened to you when you were 17. He has compassion. And instead of you being the gross, worthless, throw out, outcast, he comes right up to you and me. And what he wants to do is touch us. Because there's something in the touch. There's something in the touch. He reaches out and he touches this man. And when he does, (laughs) he says, be clean. Not only do I love you, I'm willing. I'm willing. In fact, everything in my life is for this moment. I'm willing. I am willing. See, some of you are confused. You think, like this man thought, that if I'm good enough, if I go to church, he'll fix it. You're still under the concept, if I do good, then I'll receive good. This man came to an understanding. Nothing I've done right or wrong has anything to do with anything. I just need to get to Jesus. If I get to him and he's willing, then guess what? It will all transform no matter what I've done or haven't done. It's not about what I've done. It's about what he can do. And that's the breakdown philosophically, theologically, in most of our minds. Especially if you came out of a church environment where you had to be good to be accepted. Or you had to do right. And so if you're thinking that coming to church is going to fix you, you missed it. What you got to do is come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, in humility, what he says is, Oh, baby girl, I've been waiting for this moment. I have such compassion for you. You didn't even need to ask. I'm willing. I want to. I want to. I want to fix it for you. This is why I'm here to fix it for you. And as he touches him and says, be clean. Can you imagine? Go back to that last picture for me, Darren. Can you imagine? All of a sudden, those begin to clear up. Can you imagine the fingers that are missing begin to grow out? In front of all of their eyes. Peter's looking at him like, this is the Messiah. This is him. We got the right one, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. This is it, baby. It's on. This is it. Because before that, they're looking at him like, don't touch him. Don't. Oh, snap. Oh, he touched him. Oh, I can't believe you touched him. Oh, you touched him. Oh, my God, you touched him. Oh, you know how some of you guys are? If somebody throws up, you can't, you're like, oh, no. Y'all got to get somebody else. I don't clean up, throw up. Oh, no. Oh, no. And they're like, oh, he touched him. Oh, and the reason why it's a big deal, because he just hired them. He just hired them, and now he's touched somebody unclean. It's over. He ain't got a ministry anymore. I imagine they're thinking, dude, this guy's an idiot. Doesn't he know he can't touch unclean people? He done blown it. We, we got to go back to fishing. Here we go. He touches him. As he touches him, he says, be clean. And all of a sudden, that's how I would respond. I don't know how you would respond. I'd be like, ah! That's what I would do. I don't know what you would do, but that's what I would do right there. I'd be like, what? It's gone. Look at that one right there. 
Ah, yes! <laughs> and all of a sudden, Peter and them realized what was the stupidest thing this guy could have done proves that he is the Messiah. Because only the Messiah can heal leprosy. And then Jesus does this crazy thing. He goes, come here, come here. I mean, they're all going crazy. They're like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, come here, come here. Now listen. Don't go tell anybody, okay? Do like you're supposed to do. Go to the priest. Do like Moses said. Go get your gift and bring it to the priest. The reason why Jesus was wanting to do that is because the priests were looking for the Messiah. And if this leper comes back, it's going to be the first of its kind that's ever happened in their lifetime or their grandfather's lifetime or their great-grandfather's lifetime. You understand? They're priests, the family handed down to them. They've never heard of such a thing. So if this guy walks in the door, Johnny, who they all remember, and now he doesn't have leprosy anymore, that priest is going to be like, the Messiah's on the planet. The Messiah's here. And so, go tell the priest, because we want to start with him. If you go tell all the people, then all they're going to want to do is come to get more healing from me instead of come and make me their Lord. But the guy can't help it. He can't help it. He said, okay, okay, I'll go tell the priest. And then as he starts walking back towards the city, he remembers, I haven't held my wife in seven years. My little girls don't even know who I am anymore. When I left, they were little, and now they're preteens. And he, his steps get a little faster. They get a little faster. And I know, I'm going to go to the priest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the priest. But my house is just right there. And he starts running towards the house. And he throws open the door. And his wife's sitting there, you know, sewing or something, whatever she does. And all of a sudden he goes, baby. She's like, oh, my God. And he goes running over to her. He starts showing her. She's like, this is, well, how did this happen? It's Jesus. I'm telling you, it's Jesus. And she's a black sister. She starts, thank you, Jesus. Hey, hey, thank you, Jesus. Oh. If it's, if it's a white sister, she's like, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If it's a Hispanic sister, she's oh, glory, hallelujah, glory, adios, flego, and the spirit of something. In that moment, the little girls come running in, and they don't know who this man is. And he goes, hey, Jill, it's dad. (laughs) You know how kids are, man. (laughs) You sure you my daddy? (laughs) He's come here. And mama's like, it's him. It really is. Jesus healed him, cured him. And so all of a sudden, as they're yelling and screaming and little girls are jumping up and down, the neighbors are like, what's going on? There must be an emergency. we got to watch after Johnny's widow. And they go running in there. Who is this guy? What what are you here? They're drawing swords like, are you? What are you doing? It's me. It's me. It's me. What? And they're they're, putting it on Instagram. Oh, my God. Hashtags crazy over her. Supernatural man. Before you know it, the house is full. People run around telling each other, and it blew it all out of the water. I want you to know something. Jesus' response to you is, "You're thinking, Lord, do you really care? My husband doesn't 
come home when he's supposed to. And I don't know what he's doing. He's willing. He said, God, where are you? I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely, God. I'm isolated. Do you even know that I exist? He does. And he's willing to cure you. You see, God, I can't stop the lying. I, I, I'm like a klepto. I've been to therapy. I can't stop it. God, do you even know I'm here? Yeah. My heart longs for you. And I'm willing to cure you. And so what's the difference between you and me and this dude? I want to show you three things that he did that you and I need to do. Number one, the first thing that you and I must be willing to do. Are you still there? Say yes. yes. The first thing is that we must come to Jesus. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's not. See, I know people who come into church, but they're not coming to Jesus. Listen, I can't fix you guys. I love you. I like to preach. I like to, I like to help you. I like to pray with you, but I, I can't fix you. This man, death in that ear for 20 years. I didn't fix him. I don't know what, to, what I'm going to do. I don't know how to fix ears. I don't have that kind of education. Jesus did it. Some of you, I love you, but you got it all backwards. You think that if I do good, then God will reward me. And you learned that off of Christian television, many of you. And the truth of the matter is, you got it all backwards. I do good because I'm in love with him and he's in love with me. I don't do good to get his love. He, he gave his love without any strings attached. And what we don't realize we're doing is we're standing off at a distance from him. So and I wish he would do something for me. wish he would do something for me. And that's the problem is that you and I need to come to Jesus. Lord, I can't fix it. I can't stay married. I don't know how. I mess it up every time. I don't know how to raise kids. I can't believe I punched my, my, my son in the face. I need you. God, I need you. The second thing that you and I must do is we must do what he did, and that was we must ask. See, you need to ask. I, I can't ask for you. Your mama can't keep asking for you. Oh, God, did my boy will serve the Lord. Oh, God, Lord. Is... And you're sitting there going, Pfft. that's your problem. You got to ask. I can't ask for you. It's, oh, they come to me all the time. Well, you know, especially that came out of the Catholic background. Pastor, would you ask the Lord to give me this? <laughs> uh, no, you have to ask the Lord. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to do for you. He doesn't want anybody else between you and him. There are no third-party Christians. There, there are no grandkids in heaven. Only children of the Most High go to heaven. Those who have a relationship with the living God. And when you have a relationship with the living God, then you recognize that I can ask and I will receive. Because he's a good, good father. It's not just a song that we sing. It's who he is. It's what he does. He loves you. If you're being tormented and you're still confused about your sexuality and you're still just, you're so embarrassed about your hidden sin and you go out and you get drunk on the weekends and nobody knows about it and you've got this little dope addiction that you're struggling with, friend, listen, I love you, but the starting point is not just coming to church. You need to come to Jesus and you need to ask him and say, I can't stop it. I can't fix it. I can't fix me. I've tried. I tried to do good by going to church. Tried to give my little money in the little thing and none of it's worth. I don't know what to do. I'm at 
the end of myself, and that is the starting point. See, the problem with Americans, the reason why we don't see miracles, is because we never come to the end of ourselves like the other countries do. We have the ability, oh, well, I'll, just, I'll just go, you know, I've got Obamacare. They'll fix it. Or I've got a good retirement plan. That'll fix it. Or I've got, you know, I've got this or I've got that. I'm okay. I, can, I, you know, I read a book on that. Well, I went to school for that. And the problem is we never fall down on our knees and say, I'm at the end of myself. And when we do that and we ask, he will respond. And the last piece, it sounds, it sounds easy, but it's not. And then we must receive. You say, well, what do you mean by that? We must receive. Listen, Jesus wants to give you freedom, all the torment in your mind. But you've got to receive it. You've got to take it in. Some of you struggle to receive love. In fact, in moment somebody gives you a compliment, you're like, yeah, 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 I know, I mean, oh, thank you, ma'am. No, it's about you, bro, it's about you. And you don't know how to receive love. So it causes you not to be able to receive God's love as he's trying to pour it out. And so you're just like, oh, you know, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. <laughs> I just, just want it to go away. <laughs> I love you, Lord. And he wants you to receive. And I want you to know something. He don't want to just talk to you about it. He wants to touch you. Because in that touch, in that touch, I've had God touch me in times where I wanted to literally kill myself. And I had enough sense to fall on my face and say, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of myself. I know. I probably am the one who messed it up. Actually, it was so and so and so and so, and you need to kill them. But anyway, I'm here. <laughs> Come on, you ever done that? <laughs> and, and God, I need you. And when I asked, it was the hardest thing to say, okay, and I'm just going to receive it, God. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to take your love and embrace it. This man receives, and in that moment, he's cured. God wants to cure you. He wants to cure you of this anxiety that's driving you insane. He wants to cure that. He wants to cure what the medication is not fixing and what the therapists have not been able to really give you any answers for. But you and I have to come to the end of ourselves so that we can come to Jesus, then ask, and then receive. And you say, that sounds so simple. I know, right? It does. But how many lepers didn't get healed as Jesus walked past? How many people with a disease that's killing them never even went and walked up to him? What was different about Mr. Johnny Leper? He had enough guts to say, I need Jesus. And I don't care what they're going to do. Kill me? I'm already half dead. I'm a living dead man. I'm so miserable. How many times did he stand at the edge of a cliff saying, I'm done. I don't want to live like this. I'm, in, I, I, I'm so miserable. I'm so miserable. I'm so lonely. I just want to die. How many times did he live like that? How many moments did he have like that until he had a, an awakening? And said, so, you know what, that guy, that Jesus guy, he might be the Messiah, so I'm going to go find out. I want you to know, don't believe my testimony. You've got to know it for yourself. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has compassion for you. He's not mad at you. He's not agitated. You did it. You're right. You probably did screw it all up. It's probably so. God bless you. But let me tell you something. He has compassion for you, and he is willing. He's willing. He's willing. 
He's willing. He's willing. He's willing to fix it. He wants to. He loves you. He passes by everybody else. And he looks back. I picture he looks back and says, you know, I told you I was going to make you fishers of men. Let me show you. All the other rabbis would have walked past this guy. I love this. The The pain and the suffering is why I'm here. Follow me, guys. Watch this. Be healed. Be healed. I cure you. I fix you. This is why we're here, Peter. This is what it's about. It's not about building buildings. It's not about having good services. It's about this guy. It's about this right here. This is what Jesus came to the earth to do. And this is what we're to propagate. This is who we are. His hands and his feet. I want you to close your eyes with me for just a moment across the room. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know your situation. But as I've been fasting and praying for you this week, I just... The Lord was just all over me that his people are hurting. That there are men and women in this room that literally have leprosy of the soul. Literally, you're tormented. You're isolated. You stink and you're embarrassed of it. And you're trying to hide it. And you're hoping it goes away. And you think that maybe if I just keep being good enough that that, that somehow will kind of put a, that will medicate it some kind of way. Man, and if that would do it, I would tell you to do that. But as I study scripture, the most deadly disease of the time, the most life-ending disease of biblical times, the example of sinfulness to the biblical preacher, this leprosy that's so humiliating and so destructive, My Jesus, the book of Mark, chapter 1, the first thing that he walks into and after he preaches on the mountainside is he goes straight up to that leper. Doesn't run away from him, runs to him. Love pouring out of him, he touches him. Says, I'm willing and cures him. God wants to cure you today. Some of you have not been able to sleep for months. You just, you're tossing and turning. You have no, no peace. He wants to cure it. Some of you, you've just been so angry, so angry. He wants to cure you today. Some of you, you you just really, really, you're so confused. You're so confused sexually. And you're embarrassed and you're humiliated. And then at the same time, you're trying to be prideful about it. And you don't, I, I can fix this. I know what's going on. Struggling with concepts. He wants to cure that today for you. He wants to cure you. That's what he wants to do. He loves you. You say, oh, but pastor, I've blown it. I I know, right? We all have. But I deserve this somehow. No. No, that's not theologically accurate. But but I did it, so so I've got to pay the piper. Mm, Okay. But there's a better way. There's a get-out-of-jail-free card. So what I have to do to get it? Somebody already, somebody already did something. His name was Jesus. He died on a cross to break strongholds, to set at liberty the captives, to proclaim this is the year of the freedom of the Lord. And so as you sit there for just a moment, I want you to bow your heads with me. 
And I want you to say to the Lord, Lord, free me. Cure me. I need you. I want you to humble yourself right where you're at. And I want you to come to Jesus. And I want you to just, with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you to pretend like nobody else is in the room. What, what leprosy of the soul have you been isolated because of? What, 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 what thing has tormented you and dominated you that you didn't have the understanding that not only does the Lord love you, but he wants to cure you. He's willing. He desires it. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, every man and woman in this room would have a revelation of your love and your ability to cure them. Now, Father, I pray right now that every man and woman in this room would start the same thing we see this leper doing. But come to you, Jesus. Who else holds the words of life? Lord, we come to you. Church can't do it. Small group's not going to fix it. You and you alone can cure this. And I don't care if it's appropriate. I don't care if it makes other people uncomfortable. I'm not going to die with this stuff anymore. I'm not going to live with it. I'm not going to die with it. And so I come to you, Jesus, and I ask you, are you willing And friend, as you're asking that question right there under your breath, in your heart, in your mind, hear his answer. I am willing. I am willing. Be cleansed. That's his words to us today. I'm willing. I have compassion for you. I have love for you that you don't even grasp. I push aside everybody else to touch you. Now be cleansed. Be free. Be free. Father, we loose your freedom to heal. Heal the mind. Heal the heart. Heal the soul, oh God. Lord, deliver, cure. Cure the thing that has dominated, that has embarrassed us, that's humiliated. The thing that we're hiding from everybody. Cure that, God. In a way that only you can. As you got your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to give an opportunity. If you're here today, you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to introduce you to him. Maybe you say, Pastor, this word's for me, man, because I, I need to be cured of a lot, but the starting point is definitely to come to Jesus. And I haven't done that yet. I haven't made Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but I don't know, life happened, things happened. I've walked away from it. We're separated Maybe divorce, I don't know. I just know I, I just don't think if I died today that I would go to heaven. I think I'd probably go to hell. Friend, don't leave like that today. You're just a prayer away. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will cleanse you, forgive you. And so here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray for those who say, Pastor, I want to come back to Jesus or I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life for the very first time. If that's you with no one looking around, would you be bold enough to lift your hand and I'll pray with you. I'll leave. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. Thank you for that. Thank, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Who else? Thank you. Thank you, sweet lady. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, pastor. I'm ready. I'm ready to accept Jesus into my life. I want to make it. Thank you. I see your hand in the back. God bless you. You can put it down. God bless you. I see it. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Thanks for your honesty, sir. It's already been about eight or ten of you already. Anybody else? I'll give you about three seconds and I'm, I'm okay, sweet lady. Thank you, ma'am. Some of the most beautiful people I've ever seen. Being honest with God. I love it. Thanks for your honesty, your purity of heart. Anyone else? Two, one. Amen. Okay, sir, thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
Just a prayer of repentance, a prayer of connection, of relationship, you to him. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray it out loud with you so you're not by yourself. But those that lifted their hand, I just want you to mean that, man. Just a sincere. And say that prayer like this. Say, Jesus. No, out loud. Jesus, I need you. I'm ashamed of what I've become, how I've been living. But I ask you now to be the Lord of my life. Cleanse me from all the sin. Wash away all the guilt. Here and now, in front of all these people, I declare Jesus is my Lord. I will follow you. I will learn of you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life because I'm yours in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would know how wide, how deep is your love for them. That, Lord God, instead of living in fear that they're going to get exposed, instead of, instead of being ashamed of their leprosy, if you will, instead of hiding out, instead of being isolated, God, that they would recognize that you are willing and that you alone can cure what ails us. And so, Father, I pray for a tenacity this week that men and women in this room would wake up and say, enough's enough. And they find themselves on their knees, even in their bathroom, saying, oh, God, I come to you. Cure me, God. And, Lord, I pray that they would hear, ringing out in their ear, your voice through this message. I am willing be cleansed. I am willing. Be cleansed. And Lord, I pray with their own eyes, with their own spiritual eyes, they would see that you are healing them and fixing them and, and changing them and transforming them. And Lord, to the place where they jump up and they, they start texting people and say, you're not going to believe. God just met with me. I don't hate anymore. You're not going to believe. I had no desire for those drugs anymore. You know, something happened in my living room and I felt God touch me when no one else has been willing to touch me God do that this week God do what only you can do in the mighty name of Jesus my Lord and my Savior to whom I've devoted every ounce of my being and every moment of my life I give you the glory in Jesus name